is joy in the house of the Lord. Do you, do you, uh, it's not all about our feelings, right? It's not all about feelings. Sometimes we have to believe what the word says over what our feelings are saying. But there are times in life you can feel different things. And I, I hope you felt the presence of God when you walked into this building. I hope you experience, I hope you've already experienced joy in the middle of whatever you're going through. Because as a believer, if you haven't taken anything else from this series, take this from this series. Joy is not something that comes and goes. It is a fruit of the spirit that is inside of you, right? And just like these apple trees out here in the yard, they don't always have apples on them, but in a way they always have apples in them. Do you know what I mean? These apple trees have everything they need right now to produce apples, but in this particular season, there's no apples out there. That doesn't mean there's no apples in that tree. Joy is like that because it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's like that in the sense that it is always inside of you. But where we differ as believers from those apple trees is how we started this series off. In Psalm chapter 1, it says that the person who delights in the law of the Lord, the person who doesn't stand around with sinners or sit around with mockers or, 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 or act like the world, think like the world, if you want to say it that way, then the results we get is we are like a tree planted by the water, bearing fruit every season, and in all we do, we prosper. So unlike those apple trees that only produce apples once a year, as a believer, even when joy isn't around us, it's inside of us, and we can produce that fruit all year, every year, no matter what is going on. Take that. Take that and run with it. And next time you're faced with depression, next time you're faced with anxiety, next time you're faced with fear, next time you're faced with this thief called comparison that we haven't even got into in this series, but that is a thief of joy. There are so many things out there still in your joy. And if comparison is one of them, you might need to turn off social media for a while. You live without it for a long time. You don't necessarily need it, right? Comparison, social media is the root of comparison in a lot of our lives. And comparison is a thief of joy, right? But you don't have to let your joy be stolen. You can hold on to it no matter what. You have it. You own it no matter what. We've talked about joy in all kinds of ways. Today's message, we're going to close this series out called uh, House of Joy. We're going to close it out talking about joy in the waiting seasons. Because we all have waiting seasons, right? Those apple trees wait for, what, eight months to produce apples, right? Sometimes we do find ourselves in a waiting season. We're going to get into that. Uh, I will start off by telling you this story. It looks like my son is maybe serving in children's church. I wish he was in here. He's in the back. He's in the back. He's here. That means that I was waiting all week. I've been waiting now for, for 12 hours to tell you guys about this. He had a great basketball season. Uh, their team finished. They got a lot of good wins. They played great. I'm proud of my boy. He won, he won the coach's award. He, he won the coach's award, which is um, meant the coach could count on him to run that defense, run that offense. And even the times he didn't finish with, you know, 20 points, he's out there running. He's out there running that offense and that defense. It was, he, he did a really good job. And last night we closed the season out with a dads versus sons basketball game. And man, they talked junk all week. If you've ever competed against my son, you've heard him talk junk to you. And let me tell you, he gets that from Lisa. 100%. She... 
she's not even ashamed of that one. She shouldn't be. When he was a kid in junior Eagles basketball, there were moms that would come up to us and say, can you please talk to Judah? Uh, my son's having a hard time because Judah keeps telling him he's going to miss the shot. And uh, I said, do you mean like talking junk to him? And she goes, I don't know what you call it, but I call it cruel and I call it mean. And I said, you might have to talk to him because I, his mom encourages it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that his mother encourages this behavior. I, I don't think I can stop it. He is a competitor through and through. He talked junk all week and I'll give him credit. He crossed me over once and I ended up on the floor, but I'm 40, okay, I'm 40. He's really young and his, his knees are great. And my knees are great too. His are just younger than mine. And um, the, what I've been waiting to tell you though is that we destroyed them. The dads destroyed the sons. We beat them so bad, not once, but twice, twice. They gave us a handicap. They let us start with 10 points. If you'd have taken the 10 points away, we still would have crushed them. That's all, no spiritual content. That was just my testimony of destroying. He's in the back shaking his head. You didn't hear the part when I gave you lots of credit and said, I'm really proud of you for winning that coach's award. He said, make sure you tell him how many points you finished with, Dad. It was two. I finished with two points, but we won. It was great. I've been waiting to tell you all morning. I was very excited. All right, all right. We're going to get into the serious stuff now. We're going to get into the good stuff. House of Joy. Usually that's where they would start the podcast, but I'm gonna make sure we start it from the, the testimony about the basketball. <laughs> Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say a time of waiting, a season of waiting. I mean, it's in the Bible. We, we're told that there's gonna be waiting seasons and we're gonna get into, we did a whole series about it probably a year ago and I, I'm gonna review maybe just one major point from that series I do want you to remember. But I also want us to look back at our testimony. That, that means, if it's in here, right, it's part of your testimony. It's our testimony. This is, this is the story of our faith. This is the foundations of our faith. Abraham's testimony is your testimony. Joseph's testimony is your testimony. In fact, several of you in here have very similar testimonies to Abraham and Joseph. I mean, if we want to talk about uh, natural promises, some of you were told you would never have children. Yet, I know your children. Well, on a first-name basis, just like Abraham, you've seen that promise. His testimony is your testimony. Some of you were told you'll never amount to anything. Some of you were written off by your family, by your friends. But like Joseph, that wasn't the end of the story. And like Joseph, you're in a position of authority now. You have, you have power. You have authority. You know who you are in Christ, and people look up to you. Joseph's testimony is your testimony. And if you're still waiting to see one of those promises uh, ha happen, one of them show fruit in your life, then remember these testimonies right here and the ones that the person sitting beside you's testimony and, and the believers for the generations, their testimonies are yours. And if God did it for them, he'll do it for you because the word tells us he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't do something for me that he doesn't do for you. And these heroes of our faith, these generals of, of, of our faith, he didn't do something for them he hasn't done for you. Is that awesome? That's good news. So remember that and remember that you have a promise. Uh, you have lots of promises right here. You have some promises the Lord has spoken to you directly and you're still standing on them in a waiting season. 
And I want to encourage you because every one of the guys in here, every person sitting beside you in this church building right now, probably your parents, your grandparents, they've all experienced waiting seasons. And I'm telling you, maybe some of them are still waiting, but if they're breathing, it's not over. And if you're breathing, it's not over. Lisa was singing it up here. If he started a good work in you, he'll complete it. That's not just a pretty phrase. That's the word. That's what the word says. If he started it, he'll complete it. I want you to think about Abraham. Abraham and Sarah were, I mean, 100 years old. And, and they had never had children together, yet there was a promise. And it wasn't just a promise that they found written in, it was in some ancient words, right? This is, I, I don't want to minimize this. I, I said just a promise. What I mean is they didn't have to read it and choose to believe it. God showed up at their house and told them out of his own mouth with their ears, they heard him say, you will be the father of many nations. You will be the mother of many nations. You will have children. Then there was a waiting period. They'd already waited a long time, a century. Or, or almost, I believe they were in their 80s when, when the Lord showed up and said that. And then the next story we get in the Bible is God shows back up to remind them and says, in a year from now, you'll have a child. But in between those two chapters, there was 13 years, 87 or 86 years old when God showed up and said, hey guys, it's not too late. He's telling you that today. 86 years old when he shows up and says, I got a promise for you. And he's telling you that today. 87 years old when he says, here's what the promise is. You've been barren, but that's not the final story. You'll have a child. 87. And then 88 happened. Then 89. And then 90. And what comes after that? 91. All the way to 113 years. That's a long time. 13 years is a long time. We are in February of 2024. 13 years ago was 2011. How many of you weren't born in 2011? Put some hands up. There's a few, right? How many of you uh, didn't have kids in 2011, but you have kids now? All right, there's more than a few. 2011 was a long time ago. It was 14, or, or, or 13 years ago was 2011. The number one movie was Fast and Furious 5. There's five more. That's how long ago it was. Five more. I haven't seen even one of them, actually, but there's five more since Fast and Furious 5. Do you know what? Uh, I, I made some notes here. Uh, the number one or, or one of the top songs was uh, Adele, Rolling in the Deep. Remember that one? Rolling in the Deep. If you went to church in 2011, there was a new song all the white churches were playing called Mighty to Save right? Remember that one, Money to Save? If you went to a, a black church, you might have heard Fred Hammond's Awesome God. That had just come out, right? Remember that one? There was all kinds of things that you might remember that were a long time ago. Twilight, Breaking Dawn, part one. You know what you were dancing to? I know all of our church, I know all of you have a, a club in past, right? Y'all went to clubs all around Gastonia and you were dancing to Gangnam Style in 2011. Remember Gangnam Style? That's what you were dancing to. So here's how long 13 years is. Here's how long 13 years is. On, on Saturday night, you decide to go on a date and you probably went to like Applebee's and then you ended up watching Fast and Furious 5. You, you, leave, you leave the movie theater, you go to a club, you dance all night to Gangnam Style. 
And then, and then the slow song comes on and you slow dance with, with your, you slow dance to uh, Rolling in the Deep. I don't know if that's a slow dancing song. That'd be kind of a funny scene. Then you wake up early and you go to church because that's what you do after a night at the club. And the church sings Fred Hammond's Awesome God and Hillsong's Mighty to Save. And God shows up and he says, I'm going to make you a promise. This is my promise to you. And then 13 years go by. Five more Fast and Furious movies go by. And God shows back up in 24. And he says, hey, remember me? And you're like, yeah, it's been like 13 years. And he says, let me remind you of a promise I made you 13 years ago when the world was different, when, when COVID hadn't even happened, when it wasn't even a thought. And that feels like forever ago, right? Let me tell you, let me remind you of what I told you about in 2011. And he reminds you and he says, just wait, just wait one more year. Just wait a little bit longer. You're going to see this promise fulfilled. Man, there's so many of you in this room right now who have experienced that. I could tell you story after story of, 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 of a young lady who told me recently her mom's been believing for her for over a decade. And now she finds herself and her mom rejoices because she's in church every week serving the Lord. Her whole family is here making a difference in their community and the Lord's made a difference in their life. I mean, story after story, but sometimes 13 years go by and the Lord says, listen, hold on a little bit longer. Hold on a little bit longer, but let me tell you, those 13 years don't have to be miserable. Those 13 years do not have to be miserable. David waited 15 years between being told you will be the next king of Israel and then actually taken to throne. And during those 15 years, we have story after story of God's faithfulness. The giant, that happened in the middle of those 15 years. Being next to King Saul, sleeping in a cave, he could take his life, but instead he chooses to not touch the Lord's anointed, and the Lord eventually raised him to his throne. He could have rushed it, but he didn't. And it took 15 years. Joseph, there was 20 years between the pit and being sold into slavery and the fulfillment of the dreams that he had. 20 years is a long time. 20 years goes all the way back to Shrek 2. That was 2004. Shrek 2. And also Fat Joe was singing Lean Back. So there's that in 2004. I thought y'all would enjoy a few stats. But when the Lord gives you a word, there's a waiting period. And honestly, we should be glad there is. Because when the Lord gives us a word, usually we are not prepared to receive that answer at that point. He's given us the word so that we can prepare. But that doesn't have to be miserable. You can experience joy in every season. I've talked about this before, but you know, when you plant bamboo, it takes five years for anything to pop up above the ground, but there's stuff happening under the surface for five years. It doesn't mean the bamboo isn't there. It doesn't mean it's dead. It doesn't mean it's not happening. Five years between planting that seed before you see anything. And then once it does sprout up into the sunlight, it can grow 90 feet in five weeks. You can literally stand in front of it and watch it like one of those time-lapse videos, but you're actually watching it grow. So what do you do in the middle of the waiting period to still give yourself the capacity to experience joy? What choices do we make 
in the waiting. So then instead of being miserable, instead of being restless, instead of fighting doubt and unbelief that maybe I didn't really hear that from God, maybe he doesn't really think this about me, maybe I'm too bad, maybe I've made too many mistakes, maybe I've gone the opposite direction for too long. How do we combat those thoughts and still operate in joy? We get the answer in the word like everywhere else or every other answer we could ever want is all throughout the word. I want to take you to Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. It says, I am confident, and this was written by David in his waiting season, I believe. If he was already king when he wrote this, believe me, he still experienced waiting seasons. And here's what he said. Here's how we know he was in a waiting season when he wrote this. I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. What can we get from that verse? Well, when he wrote this, he evidently didn't quite think he was looking directly at the Lord's goodness. Because what did he write? I will see the Lord's goodness. I can tell you he had seen it before, but in this season, there's a good chance he wasn't seeing it. And sometimes we've been in seasons where things look dark. You've been in seasons where it's like, all right, I see a mess right now, right? I see, I see, uh, I see pain right now. I see grief right now. But as a believer, we don't walk by what we see, right? We walk by faith. Faith says, maybe I don't see it right now with my own eyes, but I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness. And not just in the sweet by and by, what is the, when we all get to heaven, what a wonderful day that will be. It's true, it's true. But you don't have to wait till the swing low sweet chariots happen or whatever to see the Lord's goodness. We will see it in the land of the living. And in the meantime, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So wait patiently. In the meantime, be brave, be courageous. And then keep waiting patiently. When you look up this word in the original meaning, David would have written it in Hebrew, the language he spoke, and the word wait does not mean sit around and do anything. This is what I want to remind you of because we talked about this in our series a little over a year ago. So it's worth bringing up again. That word wait is a Hebrew word, kavah, and it means to entwine or to wrap around. So imagine strings wrapping around each other. Imagine yarn. It's multiple little yarn or string wrapped around each other. Entwine, almost like tying a knot, right? Waiting means to entwine. It means to wrap around. So yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living entwine yourself with the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, entwine yourself to the Lord. I'm confident I will see his goodness in the land of the living, in the waiting seasons. Wrap yourself around the presence of God. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wrap yourself around the presence of the Lord. I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Center yourself 
in the heart of God, in his presence. Be brave and courageous. Yes, center yourself around the heart of God. Waiting is not sitting around doing nothing. Waiting is the time when you have a chance to fulfill the greatest thing man has ever been called to fulfill. What is that? Well, why were we created? Let's go back to the very beginning. Revelation chapter four says that God created people, men and women, to bring him pleasure. He created humanity to spend time with. It brings him pleasure. I mean, you can't give God a, a birthday present wrapped in a box with a bow and give him something he doesn't have. He's got it all. I mean, Lisa's parents are hard to buy for. We just had a birthday and, and we never know what to get them. They, they have everything they, they want. We have to be creative. With the Lord, what can you give him he doesn't have? He owns it all. Every cattle on a thousand hills and every hill of the thousand hills. Every dollar you have belongs to him. In fact, he told us that we were only stewards over the things that we have. That means we don't really own them. He's given it to us to take care of. What are you going to give God that he doesn't have? It's your worship. It's your praise. That's what we talked about up here. It's a sacrifice of praise. Some of you are going through seasons harder than you've ever been through. And you made a sacrifice of praise today that number one, you'll never be able to make again because this was it. This was your chance. This was that moment you could give that sacrifice of praise. And the Lord received it and he loved it and he enjoyed it and he rejoiced. The Bible says in Zephaniah, he rejoices over you with singing and dancing. That's what was happening today. As you were singing and sacrificing, uh, making a sacrifice of praise and lifting your hands in worship, he got giddy. He got joyful. He's always joyful, but even more so. It brought him pleasure. It's why you were created. In the waiting season, you have a chance. Sometimes you have more free time in the waiting season than you have when everything, when everything happens and all of a sudden you're there in the middle of the thing you've been promised, right? In the waiting season, you have a chance to wrap yourself around the heart of God, around his word. That is the best way to do it. Around his presence, and the Bible says that happens when we, when we praise, we enter his courts and his presence with thanksgiving in our heart. He dwells in our praises. And when we entwine our heart around his heart in that waiting season, joy is produced all the time. Not just joy. We could talk about all the fruit of the Holy Spirit today from Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperaments. These are the things that are produced in those seasons. Not anxiety, not restlessness. I can tell you in my flesh, when I'm waiting, when I'm waiting for something to happen, I can get restless, right? I got that thing, my, my niche, you know, like when you're sitting down, you can't stop moving your leg and, and uh, I've experienced anxiety. I've faced that in the past. These are all things in my flesh, right? And I'm, I bet in your flesh, you can relate to that. But I'm not just flesh. No, I got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. You got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And when my flesh says it's time to be anxious, it's time to be in fear, when my flesh says it's time to be depressed, when my flesh says it's time to be sorrowful, when my flesh says it's time to give up, when my flesh says it's time to get uh, wh whatever it is, 
The word tells a different story. And if I take that time and I go to the presence of the Lord, I go to his word, I start knowing him better. I start involving him in every one of my decisions and everything I do. And my life begins to become centered around the very heart of God. Joy is produced in every season. Isaiah 40, verse 31, you might know this one by heart. It says, they who wait upon the Lord. Now, read that with your new understanding of what the word wait is. Those, though they that wrap themselves around the Lord, they that entwine their heart around the heart of the Lord, they who involve the Lord in every decision, they who go to his presence daily, they who, who understand his word and go to his word, fill themselves up with what he is saying, shall renew their strength. Let's stop there for a second. What is your strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's from the book of Nehemiah. Jesus said, out of the mouth of babes, you have ordained praise. He was quoting an Old Testament scripture. The Old Testament scripture says, out of the mouth of babes, you've ordained strength. Jesus took the scripture from the Old Testament and replaced the word strength with praise. Because as we praise in the middle of these seasons, as we worship in the middle of that waiting, we find strength. Those who entwine their heart around the Lord shall renew their strength. What happens next? They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. It goes on to say, even the youth grow tired and faint like the boys that we destroyed in basketball last night. Even the youth grow tired and faint. But strength will rise for those who wait on the Lord. Man, if you're in need of strength, what you really need is joy. And if you're not experiencing joy, good chance you're in a waiting season and there's an enemy out there trying to steal it and he's saying, look, it's too late. Look, you missed it. Look, you missed out. There's no more chance. You're too far gone. You're too old. In Joseph's case, you're in a pit. You're a slave. In David's case, nobody knows your name. You're little. You're, you're, there's, how could you ever be king? I mean, that's a whole other story we could talk about. I, I just think it's so funny. When Israel chose a king, God said, you want a king? Make a choice. They literally found the tallest guy and made him king. That's what, that's what they liked about King Saul. They were like, well, he's the tallest, so he should be king. And then he was king. It gives a whole new understanding to talking about David being ruddy and, and small when he was anointed king. He was the youngest of the brothers, the smallest. That king before him was chosen because he was the biggest. Yet here's David, who is the exact opposite of what that choice looked like in people's eyes. And God said, that's my choice. That's who I've chosen. It wasn't too late. He wasn't too small. Wait upon the Lord and you will find joy. You will find strength like never before. The waiting season will stop being miserable and you will find joy. And you better be glad because most of it is waiting. Most of the life down here is waiting right? Let me just tell you from experience, once you get to the thing God promised you, if you're listening to him, then the next one's coming and you'll be right in the 
step one of the next waiting season. I waited for 10 years to see this promise. God shows up. He goes, let me tell you what's next. That means your final step is step one to the next one. So you can choose to just always be miserable. You can choose to always be restless, except for that moment when you see the promise, or you can have joy. You've heard this. It's one thing after another, right? It's just how life is. It is. It's one thing after another. Life down here, you can make the choice. Most of the life is the journey. The journey can be the best part. Talking about old movies, the Lord of the Rings would be like three minutes long if it was the destination and where it started. That's it. But instead, we have like 48 hours of little hobbits. Or let's go to Fast and Furious. We got like 18 hours of Vin Diesel talking about family. I know that much about Fast and Furious. If it wasn't for the journey, you wouldn't even have those movies. And there's 10 of them. And probably there'll be more. But don't wait until you see the promise to experience joy. You have the choice. You have the choice to live in a house of joy or a house of misery. You have a choice to make your house a house of joy or a house of restlessness. You have the choice to live in a house of joy or a house of sorrow. You have the choice. It is on you 100%. Stop asking God to change it. Stop asking God to change the circumstances and just choose to operate in joy and watch the victory that follows. You will be more likely to walk in victory and find the answer when you're choosing to do it joyfully than when you're being anxious about it. I know when I get anxious, when I let myself feel restless, that's when I make not great decisions. That's when I get into a hurry. And my pastor will tell you, and I'll tell you, uh, the Bible will tell you a righteous man never gets into a hurry. A righteous woman never gets into a hurry. The word of God is not in a hurry. And it's going to be the same when you're there and before you get there. There's no reason to get into a hurry. Involve the Lord in every part of your life to entwine yourself around him. It's like an engagement period. You know, our, our relationship with the Lord as the body of Christ is described as, as we are the bride of Christ. He is our bridegroom. There will be a type of wedding, right? Where we become one completely, right? Your spirit is one with him right now, seated in heavenly places with God. But my flesh still has some oneness to do, to happen, right? My soul still has some oneness that it needs. So we're in a type of engagement period and there will be a wedding. But what do you do when you're engaged to somebody? Hopefully you know them pretty good before the engagement, right? Hopefully, some of you had a different experience, right? Hopefully you know them pretty good before the engagement, but it's during that engagement period when you really get to know them. That's when you sometimes go meet the parents. That's when you meet the brothers and the sisters. That's when you end up at Thanksgivings and Christmases and all the awkward family stuff. The engagement period is when you're really discovering what life is gonna be like after the wedding. And you know, it's the same in our relationship with the Lord. Heaven and earth do not 
have to look as different as they do. In fact, we are called as the body of Christ to bring heaven to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer we pray. That's what our job is, right? The kingdom of God, the church, what we're doing here right now, and even our lives can already look a whole lot like they're going to look in the sweet by and by, in eternity, when all of this mortal stuff is gone, when all the sin is done, when the lake of fire is burning and the enemy is in his last and final place, we don't have to wait for that to experience joy. We're in this engagement period and, 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 and we are getting to know God. That's what it means to entwine your heart. We're getting to know each other and it never has to stop. You can just keep getting closer and closer. It can be as simple as, as, as involving him in your daily decisions. It can be as simple as going to the Lord and, and asking him and talking to him about movies. I mean, when my kids were little, we'd watch movies and then talk about uh, what, 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 what it was like, what, what in that movie reminded you of God? What in that movie reminded you of, of the Bible? Anything in that movie? And we would hear the Lord speak to us through goofy Disney movies and things like that. Involve the Lord in the music you're listening to. Involve the Lord in the activities you're doing with your family and your friends. Don't just go hang out and go to the movies and stuff. I mean, pray with your friends. Gather together with intention. Seek the Lord. Involve Him in every decision. And see the joy of the Lord begin to ignite in your life like never before. And this is my last point. Here's why it's important. And here's what happens when joy is ignited and being produced in your life at all time. Joy is attractive. It is attractive in every sense of the word. Joy attracts others to the gospel of Jesus. Who wants to go meet Jesus when the people that are telling them about Jesus are miserable and depressed? Who wants to meet Jesus when the person telling them about Jesus is, is looking beat up and, and, and tired? And I, I, I mean, like, listen, we all get tired, right? We all feel like we've been beat up sometimes, but even in those moments, joy is our promise. You want to attract people to the gospel? Let them see joy in your life. If you're acting like the world, what are they going to want? What are they going to think you have that they don't already have? Joy attracts prosperity. It's the truth, right? If, if, if I'm running a company and someone's up for a promotion, if they are depressed, if they are looking sad, if they look miserable, I'm not going to that person. In fact, I've had talks with church leaders in the past, not because they weren't doing their job. They were doing their job fine. But my talk went something like this. You're getting all the work done, but you seem miserable. And I don't think anybody here wants to follow you. It's the people with hope. It's the people with joy that you want to follow. And we've fought through stuff together and we've stood with those leaders and we said, let's get through this. And you got to be joyful. Joy attracts success. Joy is like a magnet. And you know how a magnet attracts another magnet? It's opposite sides, right? It's the opposite sides of the magnet that connect. This world doesn't know a thing about joy. This world maybe knows a little bit about happiness and the way they would define it is, well, I'm happy when things are going good. I'm happy when, when the family is, is together and nobody's out doing dumb stuff. I'm happy when I have money in the bank. I'm happy when my job is going good. I'm happy when there's not uh, rumors of, of war and, there's, and when there's not war around me, I'm happy. 
when I'm not on social media and seeing horrible negative things and comparing myself to others, I'm happy. That's, what, that's how the world would describe joy. But that's not what it is. That's not even a, a minuscule, tiny little piece of the puzzle. Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something you own as a believer. It's something that never has to go away. And it is not based on happiness. It's not based on temporal things. It's based on Jesus and what he did for us and the gift he gave us. And we have no reason as believers to not be joyful. And I understand we go through seasons of sorrow and grief. We, I, I'm telling you, I've been there. Our church has been there. My family has been there. We have grieved. We have, we have, we have been in seasons of sorrow. But we experienced the promise that says if the sorrow lasts for a night, joy comes in the morning. And we experience the promise that says, even when things aren't going good, there is still, there's still an underlining joy. Because even when you lose somebody, you know that's not the end. You know that's not the end. That's not the final say-so. You're not separated forever. You still get a reunion. Our God is very fond of resurrection. It's kind of what the whole thing is based around, the dead becoming alive. The world doesn't operate in joy. It's the opposite end of that magnet. But when you walk around in joy, it is just this attraction. It is like a magnet. And you don't even have to say something sometimes. People see it in you. They experience it. They feel it. And all of a sudden, there's something that's drawing them. They think to you, but it's to the Lord. It's to Jesus. And then you have a chance to say, let me tell you about this joy. Let me tell you why you're seeing this. It's not because everything is going right. It's not because I got the most money. It's not because I got this or that. It's because I have Jesus. And you're going to come into contact with people today that don't know that. You're going to come into contact with people today that have never experienced the joy that you experienced walking in this building today. They've never experienced that. And I'm telling you, our church is going to get more and more full with people like that who have never experienced it. But that just happens once. Once they come in, they've experienced it. Man, when you see that happening, and I'm praying that the Lord reveals this to you, that when somebody is seeing something in you that they have, I'm praying that you notice that you're not so busy, that you're not in such a rush. You don't notice that there's somebody noticing something in you. And instead of that moment passing you by, you take it. You take that moment and you say, can I talk to you or... Can I pray with you or can I tell you, can I tell you why our family is so happy today at this lunch table? Can I tell you this? Then you tell them about Jesus and you're going to have so many testimonies. The Lord told me this morning, our church is going to have so many testimonies. We're not even going to have time to give them all. We're going to have more testimonies than time. And I'm telling you, we heard about three or four this morning at our prayer time of awesome stuff. I mean, awesome, awesome stuff. I can't wait till you get to hear about specifically the ones we heard this morning. But joy is a magnet. It is a magnet and it attracts all kinds of things. It attracts the world. It attracts success. It attracts prosperity. It attracts the presence of God. His presence dwells in our praises. Man, that's what I want for my life. That's what I want my family to experience even more than we do. I want to, we're going to keep on moving forward. And in every waiting season, instead of sitting around waiting, entwine your heart around the heart of God. Amen.
I'm going to invite the band to come up as we close today's message in this series. Listen, I've heard people say this in the past, that they're just a serious person, or they're just a, they're just, I don't know, that there's too much negativity in the world to, to be happy, and well, there's always been negativity in the world. I, I, people talk about the world getting darker, and, and maybe in a sense it is. Maybe in a sense you could say things are getting worse, but let me tell you, they've always been getting worse. I mean, I, I, I saw a, I saw a, a, a social media post that said, you think you have it bad? It was people that were born in 1910 that lived through two world wars, the Great Depression, and just went down the list of, of all kinds of horrific things that a lot of our grandparents lived through. There's always been negativity. The world, I always say this, don't be surprised when the world acts like the world. I get surprised when Christians show up and they're like, can you believe this is happening? I'm like, yeah, it sounds like the world. The world's going to be the world. I'm glad it seems crazy to us because, right, we're in that world, but not of that world. We have a different kingdom. You can operate in joy at all times. Your house can be a house of joy. My prayer is that you've made a choice during this series that's going to take you into more joy than you've ever experienced. I'm sure there's some of us in here that are like, man, my house is already filled with joy. I believe it. I'm not counting you out because the Bible says that we are called to go from glory to glory. Why not just keep moving forward and operate in even more? Amen. 